This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. With you, as always, I am your host, Andrew Ledman. And I am Ryan Bonaparte. And we're back with you to talk about Purdue's victory over the Marquette Golden Eagles that was last night. Uh, Purdue basketball now sitting at 3-0. and um, We're going to talk about that in the first half, take a break, and then in the second half of the show, talk about the upcoming game, Purdue football versus Northwestern, last home game in Ross-Aid Stadium, and... Uh, one of two remaining games on the season. Purdue needs to win them both if they want to have any chance of going to the Big Ten uh, title game. I know there are scenarios where they can split and still go, but those are very unlikely. So, Ryan, last week we started out with me doing doing some uh, rapid-fire questions on you that I had thrown to Casey. This one, uh, more of a getting-to-know-you question. So you ready for this? Okay, let's do it. Uh, what is the first Purdue sports memory uh, that you have? So probably the very first game I went to was in 2016 Okay, when I was a freshman in college. Man, that is – that 2016 you were a freshman in college is just astounding mm. to me. I'm, I'm old and I'm just going to let that go. Luckily born still in the 90s, so I haven't reached that level yet. Yeah, so. I guess that's good. <laughs> so what football game was this? I believe that was against Ohio, and it was a Daryl Hazel game. Ah, uh, lucky bastard. Oh, yeah. Luckily, Purdue did win, um, and that's about one of the three victories that season. Yeah, so, we were three and nine. Mm-hmm, and I believe we started off looks two like, and one that look, season Looks as like well. the first game was Eastern Kentucky in Ross-Aid, so okay. that may be who you're talking about. Okay, yep. I believe we also played Ohio and Nevada that year? Uh, looks like Eastern Kentucky, Cincinnati, and Nevada. Okay, I'm misremembering then. It, it happens. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's been alcohol involved since then. Uh, there has since then, yes. Um, but yeah, the first time Ross-Aid was definitely, definitely a fun time. I soon learned that you actually need to sit up front to have a better time, so... The following year and beyond, I would always make sure to get as far as close to the field as possible. So, oh, that's right, because that, you, you the whole time you were in college, you guys had the general admission seating, didn't you? Yes, yes, we did. Wow. Okay. See, we never had that. We had basically the our freshman year. You went in and you had to turn in your vouchers for tickets with your group of people, and you would get sorted based on like the lowest seniority of the person in your group. So if you went with, like, 10 seniors and a freshman, you got seated with the freshman. But if you went, you know, just, like, six freshmen, you got sat together uh, in the freshman section. And the the older you got, you know, the more seniority you got, your seats got better, closer toward the 40. Boy, am I glad I was not there for that. <laughs> because um, 
I found out really quickly if you wanted to get as far up as I was, you had to wait outside of Ross Aid for a while. It was worth the wait, in my opinion. I would always just sit there, talk to fellow uh, Boilermaker fans, and, you know, wait in line for the Ross Aid Brigade. But, yeah, if we were doing it by seniority, I am not sure I would have been far up. Yeah. Because a lot of times it was just incoming freshmen that I would uh, know from high school that oh, I yeah. would go to games with. So Yeah, I mean, you know, when, when I started my freshman year, it was um, there were a couple sophomores who I knew who I'd gone to high school with. Uh, my brother was there, but he was a junior, so he was not about to, you know, put me in his group and then force <laughs> everybody back down two years. So it was uh, a, a few freshmen. We just got tickets together. And then it was, I mean, I'm sure like it is now, you know, you everybody kind of sneaks around to different seats. You take somebody down to your seat. Um, it's what has oh, yeah. caused the chaos, you know, at these uh, sold-out games. But uh, to from my remembering of it, it was never quite that bad. So the fact that you became a Purdue fan, or at least your earliest Purdue football memory, is during the Daryl Hazel era, and you're still around, I think says a lot about your character and your willingness to uh, commit. So uh, kudos to you on that. Thank you. Yeah, it's been uphill since then. <laughs> I Man, those Hazel years, the less said about them, the better. So there we go. Um, I'm hoping to do at least one of these every time we do a podcast, just so everybody can get to know Ryan a little better. Um, and I do think they're a little fun, uh, kind of break up the, the just recapping games and talking about hot takes and all that. So just wanted to get to know Ryan a little better. So there we go. Uh, of course, now we're going to talk about Purdue's victory over the Golden Eagles from Marquette. Uh, 75 to 70 was the final score out of Mackey Arena. This was part of the Gavit games, which they just hammered into our heads during the broadcast. Um, <laughs> I honestly, I had no idea who, whatever Gavit, I had no idea who he was. Did you know who he was? No, I did not. Yeah, I mean, I assumed he was somebody involved in the Big East, um, just because mm-hmm. it's a Big East, Big Ten thing. Um, but I had no idea who he was. Um, so they sure talked about him a lot last night. Um, good for him. I'm, I'm sure he did great things, but as a fan of the big 10 did not really follow who the commissioner of the big East was through, you know, throughout my life. So, uh, did not know anything about him, but this, this was a pretty darn exciting game. Um, you know, an early season challenge for Purdue Marquette, I think is going to have some success. Shaka smart, of course, on the opposing sideline. And this was Matt Painter's first win against the Shaka smart coach team. We obviously lost to him when he was head coach at VCU as well as when he was at Texas. So now he's at Marquette and it was a real back and forth game. Um, seems like anytime Purdue was able to jump in head, it was, you know, just by a point or two. And then Marquette had an immediate answer. So Purdue was never really able um, for the first about 30 minutes of the game um, to put anything together to really keep themselves ahead long term. Um, Ryan, is there any particular player uh, on Purdue we'd like to highlight before we kind of talk about trends of the game? Um, I think you have to go with Braden Smith. Yeah, exactly. He had his breakout game in this one. So he was six of eight from the floor, three of four of those from three, five of six free throws, two rebounds, three assists, and 20 points. And I mean, they were hard-earned points Mm -hmm. as well. I think the one circus shot he had driving to the left of the lane and just flipped the ball up and it just magically went in to uh, 
I believe that was to put Purdue to tie it or to go up a point. Yeah, I think we went up a point on that one. Okay. Yeah, that caused Mackey to just go into full uproar. And I've said this before on the podcast. I see a comparison between him and Brad Davison in just the way he can take over a game and just makes his teammates better. Yeah, just I mean, without the dirty plays. Let's hope. Let's hope. Let, less uh, going for the groin of his opponent. Um, right. I, I do think he had uh, just an incredible game. I mean, he. This is only the third true game of his career, so it's hard to compare it to most. Um, you know, anything at all. But this was certainly the best game of his Purdue career. Um, Twenty points, as you said. And he started the game a little shaky. Um, got called with a foul. Got called for a foul on a block. Um, a little less, I think, than two minutes in, and he also uh, turned it over out on the Marquette press. Uh, Purdue turned it over mm-hmm. twice, really early, facing that Marquette press, and then whatever you know, Painter said to him, whatever they uh, had clicked into their mind there, they only turned it over four times the rest of the game for a total of six. And for a Purdue team who, you know, the last four or five years, or probably longer, has had such problems with the press, turning it over only six times. Um, against a team who does press and who does play fast, I thought was a really great sign for what this team can do um, as they progress through the rest of the conference uh, schedule and this remaining non-conference that does get a little tougher as we move forward. Yeah, and you saw it resonate with the players going forward. Just They finally realized you can pass the ball backwards (laughs) against a press. Yeah, that was something that a Purdue team had never understood before. Yeah. is they would always try to just push right through, whereas this team you would go back, then you go forward, and then you go over the line. It yeah. worked out so much better. Yeah, it's it's almost like the old Mario game where it's like, well, you can only go to the right, so don't try going backwards because it's not going <laughs> to get you anything. And suddenly they realize we're playing in 3D now, and we can go any direction. Um. I was very, very impressed with Purdue's ability to come back from adversity. I mean, they got down, I believe, as many as nine points in the second half. And Mm -hmm. at that point, you know, part of me really thought the game was slipping away and that it might be it for Purdue. Um, But they found a way to lock down on defense, and they found a way to find the open man and really just put on a couple dominating runs and ended the game in dominating fashion. Um, Before we get to how they ended, I do want to point out, since we're talking about individual players, um, we can't go too far without mentioning Zach E. Played 33 minutes in this game, um, 8 for 11 from the floor, 4 for 5 from the line. He had 13 rebounds and 20 points. He also had 3 blocks and an assist to go with no turnover. And Edie has really, really... um, come along in his ability to uh, get blocks. Um, I mean, I know that's a weird thing to say for a seven foot four guy, but I don't think he was going after those opportunities as much these last two seasons. And now he seems to be more um, aggressive in that area. And hopefully it's something that can really help the Purdue defense because you can be a little more aggressive if you truly believe there's a guy back there who can, who can wipe out your mistakes if they do get by you. So I thought that was a great sign for Purdue. And the fact that he did that in 33 minutes um, was great, considering that he generally averaged about 20 to 19 to 23 minutes, I think, a game last year. So that was just fantastic. Yeah, and it's almost unheard of for Zach Eady not to have a turnover just by yeah. virtue of him getting an offensive foul. He didn't have a single one of those today, and it 
you know, there was never a point where he turned and actually shouldered someone in the head mm-hmm. and then got called for it, even though he's just playing offense and too tall. Yeah, that's the so classic Zach Eady foul. Mm-hmm, exactly. So it's good to see that, and he's learning that you don't have to jump all the time. You're tall enough to yep. where you just put an arm up and you will either affect a shot or you will get a fingertip on the ball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're seven foot four. The basket is ten feet. So it's you're not put your arms up and you're not too far off, as you saw on a couple of those dunks of his. I mean, he barely mm-hmm. has to jump to even dunk the ball. So uh, Purdue, you know, as I said, they got down nine, found a way to claw back. Um, at one point in the second half, they were on a seventeen to two run, um, and then there were that was when kind of the uh, free throws began and. Purdue allowed Marquette to crawl back into the game because Purdue, down the stretch, just could not hit free throws. Um, A main culprit, surprisingly, was Fletcher Lawyer. He was one of four from the line, and that is not something you expect from him. But uh, luckily, Ethan Morton was able to uh, get fouled there after three free throws from, I believe, um, it was Joplin on uh, Marquette. After he missed yep. one of those, um, Morton got the ball, got fouled, and then he went down and sunk two free throws to really put the game out of reach, put Purdue again up fully two possessions, um, and that was really it. But um, a lot of guys on Purdue, I thought, played really well, even though they didn't necessarily um, stuff the stat sheet. One guy, uh, Caleb First, only played 13 minutes. He really seemed to struggle a bit, but he had a great play when it mattered on that uh, a a dunk that was assisted by Zach Eady, and he really brought the energy back to the team, back to the uh, Mackey crowd at that point. And it's just those little things when a guy can come in and really take advantage of the moment um, that I think can can do a lot for this team and help them keep moving forward. I am a bit concerned about uh, the forward position with both Mason Gillis and Caleb First kind of struggling right now. Um, between mm-hmm. the two of them, only two points and only two rebounds. The two rebounds, both from Caleb first. So uh, Mason Gillis 0 for 2, two assists and a steal uh, in 19 minutes. So he has not really shown us a whole lot yet this year, but I really I really think if Purdue is going to compete in this upcoming uh, Portland tournament, they're going to need more out of the combination of Gillis and first to be sure. And I think part of that for Gillis is at least Zach Eady is not missing right now, and I feel a big part of Mason Gillis's game is to clean up those misses and get second chance points. Yeah, he doesn't. He simply doesn't have that chance right now. So, and his three point shooting has not been good this year so far. And um, the way this offense is working is you have to be an outside shot who can knock down those open threes when you get them. And he just hasn't had that many opportunities to do it rotation wise as well i don't believe gillis has really played with uh first or uh kaufman wren uh together it's been more so he comes in with Edie. so when Edie is so efficient this year so far you really lose those opportunities um so depending on rotations he might get a bit better but once he starts knocking down his outside shot you'll see his numbers start to do better Plus, Zach Eadie's also rebounding the ball at an insane clip. Yeah. So the more he takes, the less Mason Gillis gets. So as much as you want to be concerned about his lack of stats, it's honestly, as a team, they're still there. They're just going to other players. Yeah. And 
for Caleb first, I also want to highlight one of his plays on defense. He had a running block shot that yes. led to one of the breaks, and he probably jumped about six feet laterally just to get his hand up and um, get his finger on the ball. And you didn't realize it was a tip shot until, you know, the ball missed the basket by about Yeah, about three, four five feet. feet. Yeah. Yeah. So it's those hustle plays that you really see throughout this roster that everyone is putting in the work and every no one's afraid to actually dive or go for a loose ball or just make a play. And it's really nice to see. Yeah, yeah. I'm you're really just impressed with the the lineups that we've really never seen that are coming in and making things happen um there was you know we Waddell came in at the end and first was taken off the floor and I was kind of like I don't know I think I'd keep first Mm -hmm. in there and then Waddell made a play Mm -hmm. on like the very first possession he was in and I was like I guess I'll shut up um you know I I don't know what I'm talking about but uh it's interesting as you said Painter's kind of still toying with the lineup seeing who works with whom on this team and you know, we are legit 10 players deep right now, and I'm not sure where exactly uh, the drop-off will be. Um, David Jenkins Jr., I thought, had a nice game as well. Um, he was the only other boiler in double figures. He had 10. Um, only two of six from deep, but he is he is not afraid to find his shot out there. He's not afraid to go out and make something happen, and every team needs somebody like that out there, um, and if Jenkins is that guy, then good for him. Um, one mm-hmm. more I want to mention, Brandon Newman, uh, seven points, nine rebounds. Um, Purdue really struggled on uh, the glass this game, was out-rebounded by four, and it, it every one of those mattered, um, you know, grabbing those. But on offense, man, Marquette had 15 offensive rebounds to Purdue six, and it really just gave them so many more opportunities. Uh, but luckily, Purdue was able to find a way to slow them down despite um, Joplin really going off in the second half after having no points in the first half, wound up with 21 all in the second half. Uh, Just incredible. Yeah, and you saw it. It was really just a two-man game for Marquette. It was Cam Jones and uh, David Joplin. And what you would see is they found out if you attack Zach Eady, good things are going to happen for you. If you attack him with a guard and then kick out, Usually you have an open player. Purdue has not gotten to the point yet where they can switch with Zach Eady so that they can get um, a defender on the outside wing. When that starts to happen, you see plays like this where the uh, wings will start getting more outside shots, and they made them. Those two combined for 10 of the 11 threes for Marquette. Just wild. So... And not only that, they took, what is it, 19 threes, so they kept trying them. Some at the end were just some ill-advised three-pointers, just trying to get back into it, but they kept trying to attack Zach Eady, dish it back out, and um, shoot from distance. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you look at the you look at the box score, and it is kind of amazing. Marquette had 72 shots compared with Purdue's 56. So they got up 16 mm-hmm. more shots than Purdue. Um, just kind of kind of astounding to me. So uh, Purdue, I, I thought overall, like I said, I was very impressed with the resiliency. They did not fold when they got down nine, found a way to go out there um, and, and still win the game. 
and that is just so important for a team with a lot of young players on it. You really want them to face adversity and find a way to get through it because it's clearly, it won't be the only time that they get down in a game this year. So to do it so early against what I think is going to be a pretty good Marquette team and come mm-hmm. out uh, victorious, I think, is is a good sign for what they can do going forward. Absolutely. You just, you love to see a team pull one of these games out. Now, they did win by five. It was a little bit wide, wider of a margin with about a minute left. And they kind of, like you said, that's when the free throw stopped getting consistently hit. But you're going to learn to start knocking those down. And you're going to get more of a feel for that end of game. I know there was a silly foul by Purdue to get three shots for yeah. Marquette at the yeah. end. But I think that was on Waddell. I think Waddell was the one who did that. Yeah, you, you realize that, I mean, you learn that you have to foul the player while he's dribbling, not when he's got ball and easily go up for a shot. So that'll come with time. But this was a gritty, grinded out win. And what more can you ask for? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So Purdue 3-0, uh, they've got a little bit of time off before their next game. Um, I believe the next one is in West Virginia. Yep, the PK-85. Yeah, yeah, they head out to Portland, so that should be an interesting tournament. Of course, we don't know the whole schedule out there because it's a tournament, so it all depends on who beats who. Uh, but Purdue likely, likely to face Gonzaga um, out there yep. if things hold. So that would obviously be a huge, uh, huge challenge and huge opportunity for this team to grab what will be a marquee win. Um, in case anyone out there is curious Purdue currently sits at 24 on Ken Palm uh, with the 15th ranked offense, uh, defensively currently ranked 51st, which if you listened to uh, any of the podcasts last year, you know is a lot better, a lot better than they were last (laughs) year. Uh, They were in the hundreds last year for most of the season. So that's uh, a big improvement. Uh, Top 15 on offense, 51st on defense. So uh, we're a bit of a palindrome there in our efficiency rankings, so I will take that. Um, anything else about this Marquette game before we take a break, Ryan? Um, I just love listening to Jason Benetti on the call. Okay. I love that announcer. Yeah, I, I think he's, he's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it helps being a Chicago guy. He does uh, Sox games, so whenever they're on, I can hear his baseball side of his announcing. Gotcha. But I absolutely love the guy announcing. Yeah. Yeah, I think he did a good job, and it's always, I mean, I know some people don't like Raftery, but I, I, I Raftery, but I do. Um, I think he's he's a fun listen, so I, I enjoyed the commentary last night, which you can't always say um, with, with some of these games. So there we go. That mm-hmm. is Purdue Marquette. We're going to take a break, come back, look ahead to Purdue's game coming up against Northwestern. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we are back. So, as promised, we're going to talk about Purdue's upcoming game against Northwestern. One of two remaining games on the schedule. This is the last home game for the Boilermakers and will actually be the last game played in the ross Aid Stadium as we know it uh, because those renovations, a new tunnel, um, new 
student section in the south end zone will allegedly uh, you know, be completed during the offseason. So the next time people go into Ross 8 after this Northwestern game, it'll look completely different. So uh, I'm excited to see how that uh, renovation goes. Uh, Ryan, I know we didn't have you on the podcast. You were not a member of Hammer and Rails at that time. What do you think of those renovations? Nothing. I think it'll be interesting having the student section in the south end zone. Um, the renovations themselves look really nice. That The fact that we're half enclosing the south end zone is good. Um, it's a step in the right direction towards where I think the athletic department eventually wants to go is a fully enclosed stadium. So it feels like every year there's some sort of major renovation and that's really good progress for this program. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, Purdue, Purdue is not an athletic department that's going to spend, you know, $300 million in one year. We, we always space things out. So I think you're right. If they can do just kind of chip away at things, do a project here, a project there, ultimately we'll get to the same place. And I'm excited to see what this uh, renovation brings and what it looks like when it is all said and done at the beginning of the next season. So um, as I said, Northwestern coming in game at noon um, on FS1. Now it's, it's always difficult when you play a national champion. And Northwestern is, of course, the national champion of Ireland. Um, Went in and beat Nebraska game one of the season. However, since then, they have not won a game on North American soil. And, Ryan, I said this before we recorded, or uh, during the break, actually, that I went over to the SB Nation site for Northwestern, and I just want to read you the headline uh, about football season. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Yes, I am. Where are we Wednesday? A deep, dark place. <laughs> and that's that pretty much sums up where Northwestern is right now. Um, I, I want to read you the first couple sentences as well. Today is November 6th. Let me give credit to the writer at least. This is Ethan Siegel uh, from InsideNU.com. Like I said, they're the Northwestern, uh, Northwestern SB Nation blog. So it just says, mm-hmm. Today is November 16th. The Northwestern men's basketball team has more wins than the football team. Football season began in August. Basketball started last Monday. (laughs) Ooh, very self-aware of them. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it can't be be a good time if you're uh, a Northwestern football fan or, or paid to write about this team. They've, they've not won a game on North American soil this season. And offensively and defensively, I'm only going to talk about Big Ten numbers here. Um, offensively, they're only averaging just over 13 points a game while allowing 29 points per game. And those are not ideal numbers if you are Northwestern. Um, Ryan, what, what can you tell me about this Northwestern football team? I can tell you that the even-year magic for That's Pat Fitzgerald yeah. has disappeared. Yeah. That and this team does not know who they want to play at quarterback. Last game, I believe they had four players play quarterback. Unbelievable. Um, And it's just, it's messy. It's very messy there in Evanston. Um, They've had two quarterbacks primarily throughout the year in uh, Ryan Holinsky. He was the opening day starter and Brendan Sullivan. Now, some of that is due to injury. Some of that has just been pure benching, but pure benching. That's a good phrase. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, if you look back at their previous game, which was not a pretty game, a 31 to three loss to Minnesota, 
they had four quarterbacks play Ugh. combined for less than 50% of their passes completed. The highest QBR, well, they had two QBRs that were under 10. Oh, my gosh. One at 5.4 and one at 2.7. Two points? Did you say 2.7? Yes. For the game, Carl Richardson was two of seven for 37 yards and had a 2.7 QBR. That's that's astounding. Mm-hmm. So, not great when it comes to the passing game. And for the rushing attack, it's been very up and down. Evan Hall has had very nice po- moments this year, but he has almost the exact same numbers as Devin Mockabee. It's very strange. He's got 755 yards and four rushing touchdowns this okay. season. So... That's a reasonable rushing attack, but this offense is just not clicked anyway for Northwestern, and their defense hasn't been your typical Pat Fitzgerald defense either. So, yeah, what is? Can you tell me a little bit about what is going on with the Northwestern defense? I mean, how do they get to this point? Not as if they were always world beaters, um, but something is going on in Evanston. I mean, Pat Fitzgerald generally puts a good product on the field, as you said, especially in even years for whatever reason that is. Um, What is going on with this Northwestern defense? I think a part of it is just they're not getting any pressure on the quarterback. They didn't have a single sack last week. They had one tackle for loss last week, and they just don't have the same sort of playmakers they normally do. You normally have somebody who's just your all Big Ten linebacker at Northwestern. It's like it's a staple. It's like Wisconsin offensive linemen. That just hasn't really happened this year. So credit to them, I guess. Them <laughs> and the weather. They did right the wind. Ohio State to their best game or to their worst game offensively this season, but that's really the highlight of their season. Yeah, I mean, that in was... In America, at least. In America, that's right. That's right. Um, we don't recognize games in Europe. Um, I mean, it was amazing that they were able to just kind of stay in that game against Ohio State for so long. Um, ultimately, I mean, it was 21-7, to so still a lot closer than anybody would have thought it was going to be, especially because, I mean, they lost 42-7 to to Wisconsin. So, right. <laughs> ugh. And just... Just so you guys know who are listening here, it is not as if, you know, Northwestern played a breakout and tough uh, non-conference. Uh, they played Duke, and they lost 31-23. to Southern Illinois, they lost 31-24. to And Miami of Ohio, they lost 17-14. to So it, they, have, uh, they have not looked good. They didn't really look good against Nebraska. Nebraska just pulled a typical Scott Frost in Nebraska to lose that game. But yep. it's uh, Purdue really should have no excuse to lose this game. And I know that might sound a little arrogant as a Purdue fan when we've only won six games, but Purdue is the better team. Purdue has been the more, crazy enough, has been the more consistent team. Um, And I I just, I don't think this is a game that Purdue will lose. Um, Do you think I'm off base here? Is there something I'm not seeing? Um, I have been known to be... Uh, seeing things through black and gold glasses from time to time. But, I mean, uh, are you confident about this game? I am confident about this game, and there is nothing wrong with being a homer. <laughs> you know, it 
it's in our blood. But um, the thing about this Northwestern defense that should have every Purdue fan salivating is they give up 200 rushing yards a game. That's insane. And we actually have a running back who's capable. So Devin Mockaby might be going crazy legs for this one. And who knows? Aiden O'Connell might actually get more uh, option pitches that he keeps. Yeah. Just Spe- the, the world is our oyster this week. Speaking of Aiden O'Connell, we failed to mention this last week. Uh, what do you think of his, quote, sliding, unquote, technique of basically just falling on his butt? Are we sure he played baseball with Charlie Jones? <laughs> That's what they keep telling us. Like, I, they show us pictures, but I have never seen... I've not seen video. I've not seen video. Yeah, I've just seen no stills. Yeah, it's like Zach Eady playing baseball. We don't know that it actually ever <laughs> happened. So, he didn't get hurt. That's really all that matters, I guess. He didn't get hurt, and he didn't get hit late. So. Yeah, I saw, I saw somebody defend it and say... Uh, it's much easier to spot the ball correctly if he does that rather than slide because when they sli- when a quarterback slides, the ref has to just basically say, oh, I think he started his slide here, which, I mean, I guess, but that that's very flimsy. Um, I, I mean, I, at that point, you have to be going fast enough to actually slide. Like, <laughs> he, he literally looked around him and was like, do I just sit? Yeah, like, what, what do I do? Yeah. He's like, I've never was, been in this position was, before. Exactly. It was the most awkward-looking thing, but, okay, it was a 24-yard run. Like, I'm not going to complain about the result right? It's as just, long as he didn't get hurt doing it. It was so bizarre. So, so bizarre. Um, So, I mean, there's really – there's no one on this Northwestern team that terrifies me. What I will say is the Northwest, the Purdue secondary is what gives me troubles. Um, you know, we've seen that they can be exploited with the big play time and time again, but my hope is that with Northwestern's various problems at quarterback, um, that can at least be mitigated a little bit because there's really no one on this Northwestern roster who can really take over a game from the quarterback position. As you said, they've played four different guys at quarterback. Uh, granted, one's only for, you know, three attempts, one's for nine. Um, but anytime, anytime you've played four quarterbacks, and it's not simply because everybody in front of them is injured, you do wonder if there's a problem there. Um, you know, no one is really standing out. So my hope is that whoever they run out there at quarterback, likely Brendan Sullivan... You know, he's only he's only thrown 96 passes so far this year. Um, let's hope that he does not suddenly go out and look like Joe Montana out there. But I'm, I'm pretty confident Purdue can win this game. The more important thing for me about this coming Saturday is if Minnesota can beat Iowa. Um, right. if, if Purdue wants to get to the Big Ten title game, they've got to win their last two, and Iowa has to lose a game. And Iowa has a uh, game, is it at Minnesota? Yes, uh, Okay, and then they have a home game against Nebraska on the last week. So I, I think of the two of those, the most likely is Minnesota beats Iowa. So are, do you have any confidence in that outcome? Row the boat. That's about all oh, I God. can say. Doesn't that hurt to say? It does. Um, yeah, it was... Oof. How did it get to this point? But <laughs> well, Purdue blew it by that, you know losing to Wisconsin and losing to Iowa in games that they really should have been much much better in. Yeah. So, but if I have to root on H.A. Fleck, so be it. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean... We all want to get to Indy and get blown out by Ohio State or Michigan. Exactly. That's I mean, what I'll, we're looking for. I'll root for anybody that helps Purdue. I've even rooted for IU. Um, you know, if it helps Purdue win a championship or get a better position or anything of that nature, hell, I'll root for IU if I have to. So I can swallow my pride for a minute and vote and uh, root for Bay Fleck. So uh, yep. let, that game is after the Purdue game. I believe it's either at, at 3.30 or 4. So uh, really going to watch that one and hope that uh, Minnesota can do us a favor. So, all right, Ryan, I think we've we've beat this horse enough. What do we think? What are you what are you going to predict the score as for this Northwestern game? Um, so this one it gives me pause because I have not been doing well with these predictions. I think I will go Purdue thirty five, Northwestern seventeen. Okay, and um, yet that's still not even covering. Oh, I haven't even looked. What it what is the it started at plus 20. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So I actually have us beating the spread if it stays at that. Um, I've got us winning 42 to 14. Um, I feel like this team has something to prove, and I feel like they're going to take out some frustration on Northwestern. So I, I'm really optimistic that they can put together a competent game plan and put a lot of points on the board. So um, any prediction on Charlie Jones? He's now over 1,000 yards for a season, so... Uh, do we think that trend will continue? Is he going to get another 100 yards? Going to get a touchdown? What do we think? I think he gets over 100 yards in this one. Um, I will say eight catches, 115 yards, two touchdowns. Okay. I'm going to go I'm gonna go 11 catches. I'm going to go 127 and two. And so let's see. I'm going to pull up uh, last week's game against Illinois because I want to get – our uh i want to get the exact numbers that charlie jones had because i want to compare to what we predicted so um yeah 466 and one. Oh, is that what he had last week yep okay so you said 1085 and one and i said mm-hmm. 972 and one so neither of us are really that terrible not that far off um mm-hmm. but so you picked a score uh last week of 31 to 17 but you said illinois was going to win so mm-hmm. uh you were wrong there I said 35 to 14, and I also said Illinois going to win. So both of us were wrong last week. Um, neither of us had faith in Purdue. Uh, faith apparently was restored, or else the fact that Northwestern is just so so bad. Uh, probably a combination of both. So, right. Uh, <laughs> really, really looking forward to this one. It's kind of the start of now another stretch where Purdue has a real shot to get to Indy, and they got to take care of business. So Ryan and I both got them going. Uh, to take care of business in game one of two here. So uh, for Ryan and myself, thank you for listening, folks. Let's boil her up on Saturday. And then hammer down. <laughs>